Welcome to the Millennial Falcon, a pop culture podcast by three geeky millennials. I'm Willoughby Dobbs, a filmmaker in the D.C. area, and today with me as always... I'm Hwai Chen Bui, a pop culture journalist in D.C. And I am Anya Crittenton, associate editor at The Tracking Board. So, it's been a rough, rough time lately, guys, hasn't it? It has. It's been a little rough. It's been a little bit yeah. gloomy, gloom and doom. We thought we, es- we escaped 2016, but it just followed us into 2017. It just followed us mm-hmm. real badly, yeah. So, like a smack in the we've face. been talking about that and kind of like the way we've been grappling with like the news and everything that's happening in real life and how important self-care is mm-hmm. at a time like this. Um, you know, whatever you need to do to provide some self-care in your life. Anya, can you just explain very clearly like what self-care is for people who may not have heard the term before 2017? It's kind of a millennial term. <laughs> yeah, so. it's really I mean the last the first time I heard of it was in 2016, so. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, so self-care, I mean it is pretty much exactly what it sounds like. It means like caring for yourself. Um so you know, like if you're feeling stressed or you're feeling anxious or everything's just kind of like too much, you're allowed to take a step back from everything and take a breather. And, you know, indulge in your favorite TV show or, you know, go to the beach with a book and just kind of get away from real life for a little bit, you know, um, in a way where you don't have to feel guilty or, you know, you're taking care of yourself so you can then take care of kind of the bigger problems mm-hmm. that it, we're facing right now. It's taking a step back because it's like not a permanent state of, you know, running away from your problems. It's yeah. just like... Being able to take a breather and just not let all the pressures and all of, like, the horrible news that's coming to our phones every day just, like, yeah, build it, up on you. It's yeah. not the same as putting your head in the sand and saying, forget about it. It's mm-hmm. it's going to the beach for three hours and taking a social media break and then coming back, seeing what CNN alerts you missed, mm-hmm. and then catch up on it. You know, yeah. kind, of, it, kind of like the, like, a couple weekends ago, I think it was the travel ban, the, the, that weekend that... Trump initiated the travel ban on on that Friday. Uh, that entire weekend was just news cycle after news cycle, like news story after news story. And I'm just, mm-hmm. I was just, I had to like, like I was trying to keep up to date, and there was just so much happening that like I had to just kind of put my phone down, watch a couple movies, and then get back to it. Yeah, like I work in political journalism, so it's something yeah. that I see every day, and it's like it is really starting to get to me. I was getting very depressed because you know not only was I seeing it on social media, but it was just like my job day to day. You have to read a lot. Yeah, I had to read everything. So cause I'm a copy editor for a political uh, magazine, so I just. Um, I wanted to do some self-care, and I think that's what kind of initiated this episode, which everyone is doing. Yeah, you you kind of started off the Trump administration with asking, like, recommendations for TV shows and stuff. I needed some good escapism, yeah. Yeah, and I think, you know, um, it's it's important. Our generation is talking about this a lot. Like, you know, we're much franker about issues of, like, mental health than past generations have been, and it's really good because that means – we can normalize it and we can address it and we can focus on it. New York Magazine just had an article that like a majority of people at some point in their life suffer from a bout of anxiety or depression, either short term or long term. And, you know, most people go through this and it's important that we're addressing it. We're talking about it in such like a frank manner. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's important to realize that you can't help the big fight unless you help yourself first. Like, you got to be mentally ready for that. So in that vein, today's episode is all about recommendations for things that we love to consume, reading, watching, doing, um, that kind of like lets us perform self-care, uh, get away from reality for a little bit. 
So how we've done this episode is we've each picked a movie, a television show, a book, and an activity that we think is really great for self-care, and we're going to share our choices with you. Yeah, so, I'm excited. Yes. Me too. So let's start with a movie first. So, Willoughby. Hi. What's your pick for a self-care movie? Um, a little number by Tim Burton called Big Fish. It's uh, his movie from, I want to say, 2003. Um, it stars Ewan McGregor and a bunch of other people that I can't really name off the bat right now. Um, oh, I know Danny DeVito's in it as a werewolf, which is very interesting. Um, but I love the movie so much because it's all about love and storytelling, and it's all about the idea of, like, telling, passing on stories to your children, and there's this central uh, father-son relationship that kind of um, surrounds the movie um, and kind of puts it into... It's a framing device, essentially, to tell these uh, wonderful, you know, out-there stories. And, you know, Tim Burton's all, all about the visual storytelling, mm-hmm. so which is why I really love this movie, because it's kind of... It's not his traditional... Uh, gothic um, Johnny Depp, Helena Bonham Carter, like Kabuki mask. Yeah, it's not, it's not Edward Scissorhands. Although that's a great movie, but it's it's like almost like it's closer to Big Eyes, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a fairy tale. Yeah, it's very much, and they you know they tell these stories like they're like th- these individual stories like they're fairy tales. It's all about Ewan McGregor's character kind of being like he's like a con artist, but he's like really charming, and he's doing the southern accent that is just like when I had to do southern accents and drama class I would base his base mine off of his so that was always fun um and it's all about him meeting the love of his life and you know trying to like but she was like married to another guy at this, or engaged to another guy at the time and like fighting for her love and all that kind of stuff and the guy was kind of like a typical like brute that he had to like overcome which I don't know it's a little self-indulgent but it's fun um but I I love the movie it's so warm and fuzzy and kind and great um, and just tells really great stories that I'm really, I, I always like coming back to it. So, Big Fish by Tim Burton. That's a wonderful nice. choice. It's one of my it favorites is. as well. Yeah. All right, HT, what about you? All right, so my um, self-care movie is The Princess Bride. Ah. Um, it's a movie starring Robin Wright, Carrie Alwes, uh, Mandy Patinkin, and um, Andre the Giant, as well as Wallace Shawn. Um, and it's a wonderful movie from the 80s. I was first introduced to it by my aunt. Um, she was a huge fan of the film. And she basically brought the DVD over one time to my house, and we watched it together. And ever since then, it's become one of my favorite movies. I can watch it and quote the entire thing while, while watching it, which is a big annoyance to my aunts, actually. <laughs> but it's just, it is another fairy tale again. Like, I think one of the key things for, for self-care for me is escapism and being able to just kind of envelop myself in this really warm, familiar bubble um, just for a little bit, you know, just for the two hours that a movie consists of. Um, I'm sure you've all heard of The Princess Bride. It's a very famous, classic move, movie. Um, when I was doing my self-care this time around, I didn't watch it, but I read the book, which was um, written by William Goldman. The um, book is again, so strange. borrowed from my aunt. <laughs> uh, she had, it's the original copy that she had. Had. So on the cover it says, now a motion picture. Yeah, it's like now a thrilling motion picture. Yeah. I'm like, I saw that cover. I was like, that's amazing. And it's just as wonderful as the movie. So it's just... It's, it's also just as meta. 
it is just as meta. It's, yeah. it's very funny and snarky. It's very meta. Yeah, a lot of the lines are ripped straight from the book. Like, it's about a screenwriter. It's about a screenwriter. Writing a movie. Yeah, it's 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 a little... I remember when I first read it, and I was I had no idea what to expect, and then it was that, and I was like, what? Yeah, the first 40 <laughs> pages are just, like, this screenwriter talking about how cynical and disillusioned he was, and I was just like, okay, I don't need this. I just <laughs> want to get to Buttercup and um, the man in black, Wesley, and their daring do's, and it's just... It's a great film. I cannot speak highly of it enough. Excellent. All Anya, right. What about well, you? <laughs> well, I'm somewhat similar to HT in that like movies is kind of they're kind of that warm, familiar blanket to me. Movies are my number one go-to for self-care over like any other sort of media. Um, I always go to my familiar movies first. Um, and so my pick this week is Stardust. The 2007 film by Matthew Vaughn, uh, adapted from the Neil Gaiman novel. So, of course, it's Neil Gaiman, because I am nothing if not predictable. (laughs) And Matthew Vaughn. (laughs) And Matthew Vaughn, who is one of my favorite directors. Um, So Stardust, you know, to me, it's like also, again, that escapism. You know, it's about a boy growing up in England. There's a wall in his little town, his little village. And when you cross the wall, you cross into... A fantasy world, basically, like this whole other world that exists. Um, and it's, you know, full of adventure and romance and action and saving the day. Um, it's very traditional kind of high fantasy, which is why I love it, because that's one of my favorite genres. Um, it also kind of speaks to me in that as a little kid, I always dreamt of like escaping my mundane real life to a fantasy world. So like Stardust is literally that. Um, I also just think it's such a wonderful film. It's so much fun, and I really love it. It's kind of my little escape from reality, literally and figuratively, and I just kind of like that place where the good guy wins and adventure happens. And Robert De Niro as Captain Shakespeare is hilarious. So Stardust for me is kind of that escape uh, to a fantasy world, both literally and figuratively, um, you know, where the good guy wins and uh, there's romance and adventure. So it's everything that I love, um, and I'm just very fond of the film. So it's the one I always turn to. I think it's really interesting that we all picked basically fairy tale. Yeah. Like hi- I did notice that. Fantasy in some ways. Mine's, yeah. mine's obviously like from the about fairy tales from the 60s and 70s mm-hmm. but uh yeah nonetheless it is a fairy tale in a oh, way yeah. i think so it's very magical mm-hmm. yeah all right all so right. those are our movie recommendations if you're looking for some self-care so let's go now to our tv recommendations for self-care and yeah. willoughby you want to start us off again yes um so i love pawnee indiana i think it's one of the best towns in the entire United States of of America, Um, and I'm so happy I got to watch the goings of that place for uh, seven years. Um, I'm obviously talking about Parks and Recreation, the NBC hit sitcom from 2009 to 2015. Um, I love rewatching this show. No matter what, I will just put on an episode and just binge watch while it's in the background, while I'm doing something on my laptop or something. It's always, it's basically comfort food, you know, in a way. Because, like, I, I've seen every episode a billion times by now because I just watch, I just have it on in the background so many times that it's all, like, it's all, 
imprinted on my brain that I could basically I can I can like recite lines if I wanted to while while the episode is happening, but I don't because I'm by myself in my room. That's weird. Um, but I know it so well at this point that it's just it's like a like like an old friend. Um, and now the seventh season is actually weirdly timely because it's in 2017. It took place three years in the future, and now we've hit that mark, so it's very weird. <laughs> um, so I don't know. It's just it's always a lot of fun. I love the characters. I love the stories. I love the 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 love of, for friendship that all these characters have. So um, it's like h- hitting up with your old friends. Do you have a favorite season? Oh, season four. Season four. The um, the end of the world is particularly my favorite episode of all time because I just love the idea of like uh, throwing a big huge party because you have the money to, and then in the, the day of, like, the day after, it's just, like, a great feeling of, like, you did something, you accomplished something. Aww. Also, the uh, the Grand Canyon trip that Andy and uh, April go on is just amazing. Like, the fact that at the end, he's like, so uh, where are all the people with uh, faces? <laughs> and there's just one look of April looking up, like, what? Like, he wanted to go to the Mount Rushmore. <laughs> Parks and Rec is so great. Yes. I miss it it's so much. It's the best. Yeah, same. Like, I fear the day that it's taken off Netflix, which I hope it never... That. I hope it never is. I hope it just yeah, stays on there. Yeah, but then you just buy for... the DVD box set. True. And then you but own it Netflix. forever. But, true. That's what I did with Chuck, and I did that with Battlestar Galactica, because they both are off now. Excellent choice, Willoughby. Um, yeah. HT... What about you? What do you like to watch TV-wise when you need some self-care? She saved the world a lot. I love Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I don't know if you guys knew that. I don't know if I've mentioned it before. I've never. I don't think you have. <laughs> yeah, I had, no, I had no idea. This is a What's shock. Buffy the Vampire Slayer? It's a wonderful show that ran for seven seasons on first the WB, then UPN. Um, it was created by Joss Whedon. It stars Sarah Michelle Gellar as the titular um, vampire Slayer, Buffy. Uh, she has she's ch- the chosen one, given great powers to slay vampires, demons, all sorts of uh, evil beings. But of course, all of these evil beings are a metaphor, because monsters are metaphors. I feel like we talked about a little, little bit about that too. Um, it's high a really sc- great high, high school is hell. High school is hell metaphor. It's a really great coming of age series as well as just like a good empowering female power show. I watched the entire thing when I was um, when I just graduated high school. It was the summer after um, school ended, and I was just like, I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to take a break. And I watched all seven seasons of Buffy in one month. That was the biggest binge. That's insane. That's the biggest binge I've ever done. <laughs> I have That's... never been able to, to experience anything since. I did that with Angel? Yeah, I did that with Angel yes. after I did that with Buffy. Yeah, so I love I love Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and despite you know it having its ups and downs, and like sometimes has drops in qualities for for some seasons, I still will be able to rewatch any episode except for maybe Beer Bad, and just absolutely love it and be comforted by it. You know, it's it has it's a very good good show about struggles and becoming and becoming a, the person you're meant to be. And I I just love that. It might not be like the warm blanket that the previous content we're talking about is, but for me, because I watched it at a pivotal time in my like coming of age, I connect with it so much. And every time I watch it, it feels like it's something new. Oh, yeah. That summer of 2010, 
think changed everyone because or at least people who were graduating mm-hmm. high school like us mm-hmm. inception is from for me I'm just, I'm just <laughs> toy story three. Oh, toy, toy story three jesus sure. christ now I'm, now I'm crying again oh. so they accepted death <laughs> okay although I'm inception just kidding, kidding. <laughs> Inception 2, yeah. yeah. That was a good time. It was a good time, good year for movies. Good content. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, Anya, what is your TV show that you turn to for self-care? Well, I will have it on record that my original choice was Parks and Recreation. Yeah, but I got to it first. But so... Willoughby got there first. And I, being the generous friend that I am, let him have it. Oh, thank you. You're so kind. I know, I know. Um... Parks and Rec is great, but there are a lot of other really great shows um, that I turn to as well. It was actually kind of hard to narrow down my backup choices, but ultimately I had to go with Brian Fuller's two-season show, Pushing Daisies, which is just one of my favorite shows ever. It's so delightful. I think the fact that you look at its color palette and it's so bright uh, in its usage of like primary colors and everything... And you instantly know, like, oh, this is going to be, like, a warm, like, lovely, unique show. And it absolutely is. Um, you know, Ned the Pie Maker and Charlotte Charles. Charles. Charlotte Charles. Um, and just everything about that world and how, like, kind of unique and bright and bubbly. But, like, it has that weird sort of darkness underneath it, um, which is always very interesting to me. But the characters are just such delights and i always love going back to them i wish the show had lasted longer but you know i have the two seasons on dvd and i find myself returning to them time and time again and it's a show that never really gets old great a great show as well i haven't watched it in, in uh years actually maybe should, i'll return should go to back it this to it, yeah. time around yeah it's really fun <laughs> and it is pretty short because like they're not full seasons and there's only two seasons, so it's pretty quick to get through. And then you're sad that it never got more. <laughs> so it's like self-care. And then at the very end, you're like, oh. It's bittersweet self-care. <laughs> bittersweet self-care, exactly. It's like dark chocolate. Yes, which I, I, like, I used to hate dark chocolate. Now I'm like, yes, this is Me my lifeblood. It's like the only chocolate I eat now because... You get addicted. Yeah, yeah. I find my sweet tooth is lessening as I get older, which is weird. I agree. I can't eat. Well, like, humans can't really, as they get older, su- sweet stuff. Uh, it gets harder to for people to eat. Really? Yeah. Oh, is that like I scientifically to... proven? Y- yes, <laughs> it's like a thing. <gasps> this is so cool. That. I love wow. science. Yeah, it's like a thing that humans like when they get older. Like, like that's why, like you know, people. That's why. You don't really eat a lot of like sweet snacks when you get older, is because mm. your body can't handle it as well. Um, That's interesting. Which is why I have tried to stop eating so much sugar. Um, or like you know, I found myself like when I was younger, Ben and Jerry's used to be like every week have a, a, a pint of Ben and Jerry's, but now it's kind of like if you ha- if I have like a whole thing of it, it's too much, no matter what. True, I don't even drink that much soda anymore. Yeah. Yeah, neither. So this um, has turned into your scientific lesson for the week. <laughs> fun fact for the day. I'm not sure how scientifically proven it is, but it's like at least cultural. It makes proven. sense because, you know, your taste yeah. buds change as you get yeah. older. So that would make sense. And like I know a lot of people also can't handle milk when they get older. So it's like a weird thing going on with bodies. That's true. We're, um, We're reaching evolution. a tangent. Yeah. So. 
Let's get back on track. Yes. Okay, so back to the self-care, which can include chocolate if you want. <laughs> That's how we'll tie it in. Um, yeah, especially if dementors are at you. Exactly. Yeah. Always good to have chocolate bar nearby just in case. Um, so let's go to our next category, which is self-care books. So, yes. Willoughby, what do you read when you need some self-care? Um, well, I don't really read a lot. I can read, which is very good. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I, I have not, I'm not the book nerd that my co-hosts are. Because um, you guys were talking about books, and I'm like, uh, nope, I'm not really there. Um, to each his own, though. This yeah. is your own personal thing. Like, exactly. if, I had to, if I had to choose a self-care option first, it would be TV shows. Like, Anya would choose movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but... One series that I always kind of come back to every once in a while is the Scott Pilgrim uh, comics. There are six volumes. They're just so much fun. It's I, I watched the I've seen the movie first before I saw the comic the, before I read the comics, but which is why I love the the comics so much is that because the, the adaptation into the movie was so good that it helps navigate the comics. Which there's a lot of plot lines going on and like. Scott Pilgrim's a very forgetful character, so like he's constantly reminded of all these things that are happening, and that kind of helps the the reader be reminded of all these things that are happening. And there's just so many like video game in jokes, and world building, and just great character work, and it's very funny. Just there, and there's so many things that are not in the movie that are in the the comics that are just so much like so funny. Like there's a moment where. Scott Pilgrim is talking with his roommate, and all of a sudden it cuts to uh, Ramona Flowers and Stacy Pilgrim, Scott's sister, and they're talking, and it's just like an introductory, an introductory scene between Ramona and Stacy, and suddenly Scott has like a disturbance in the force. It's this really <laughs> moment where he's like, he's like this anxious look on his face, all black background, and he's just like, uh-huh. and then um, his his roommate's like, what just happened? And he's like, I don't know if something ominous is happening. So it's mm. it, it's it's always it's like the it's like very cutesy humor and. Uh, the author likes to say it's manga inspired, especially in the in the um, actual like look of the comic books. Um, so, did I ever um, tell you? It, it's when, all fun. Did I ever tell you when I went to go see Scott Pilgrim? We went with a huge group and we all dressed up as like the entire cast of the film. Did no. not tell us. That's amazing. yeah. Was so, this in high school or, or in college? Because it came out like that summer, so I'm not sure. Well, but came did out if it? it came out the summer of 2010, then it would have been between high school and college. Okay. Um, I, it was opening weekend, um, yeah. and we so we had a whole group when we dressed up. We had the entire like cast, um, so we, like we had our Scott Pilgrim. We had we had everyone. Um, I was Roxy Richter. Oh wow, um, which was great. Yeah, I have photos still, but we yeah we have like this group. I can show you guys the whole group photo of all of us from the whole cast. And Edgar Wright retweeted it. Ah, so oh like we God. got noticed by Edgar Wright. Um, our whole like big oh, yeah. cast Your photo. Your life is just a fun series of celebrity running yeah. and, like, recognitions. That's so neat. I'm a little, ner- I'm a little jealous. I'm super jealous. Yeah. I'll have to show you guys the photo because it's pretty cool. Yeah. So, yeah, Scott Pilgrim. It's always fun to read that series. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, Willoughby, don't feel bad about picking a comic book because I was considering picking one of my favorite, many favorite manga series, but I just had too many. And um, my pick for a book is something very special to my heart, despite I know being it being a very polarizing book because everyone was forced to read it back in high school for English class. Um, 
It's Jane Eyre. Oh, I didn't read that. Yeah. <laughs> in my in my high school English class, I think it was tenth grade. My all the classes were forced to read Jane Eyre, and it became like the most reviled book in the entire school. And I felt so bad because Jane Eyre, ever since I was in sixth grade, was my favorite book. See, that was the Scarlet Letter for um, my high school. Mm. Everyone had to read it. Although my high, uh, English teacher refused to, but then it got um, sanctioned. Ooh, so. it got sanctioned. Wow. Although I mean, we had to, we had to like read many books in high school, so yeah. like. No, but I remember Scarlet no. Letter was very also very polarizing. Oh, everyone hated it. No, oh, no see, one... I love the Scarlet Letter, except <laughs> I got really mad at my classmates because they were all like, "Oh God, what's the guy's name that she sleeps with?" Uh, duh. <sighs> Switch with a D. I can't remember. I can't remember. It was a priest. But I remember all the girls were just like, oh, they they need to be together. And I was just like, no, like, screw him. Like, he left her when she needed him. Like, are you kidding me? This guy's a jerk. And I was like, went off on him. Mm -hmm. But Jane Eyre. Jane Eyre, yes. Jane Eyre, I read it back when I was in sixth grade, like I was saying. And I actually have, it's a giant hardcover book that has pictures like every 50 to 70 pages so that's why I was able to go through it and like really enjoy it because I would basically like look forward to getting to the pictures despite them not being really good pictures it was also an unabridged version too so it was just like it had pictures it was pretty big font so it was just like this giant novel that was like bigger than my face but I carried it around camp and I loved it a lot and I basically was smitten with the whole relationship between Mr. Rochester and Jane despite it being a very weird relationship I just really liked the dialogue between them I thought it was just electric and I had never read anything that was as eloquent and as interesting or like characters that were as interesting as that up until then so every now and then I like to go back to it and just reread the the scenes between Rochester and Jane and like I know it's it's really sappy and it probably takes away from the point of the actual novel because it's actually a really feminist novel, blah, blah, blah. But I don't know. It's it's something that I really enjoyed. You and do you, girl. It has, it has a darker undertone, too, than, like, you know, your Jane Austen books, which for some reason, like, I enjoy those on film, but not reading them as much. I feel like just the language in um, Charlotte Bronte's work is just so much more riveting for me. It's so dark and angsty. I'm just like, yes, give me all the angst. <laughs> I was a really angsty sixth grader, this little angsty twelve-year-old. Weren't we all? Yeah. So Jane Eyre, I love it. Just reread passages over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am somewhat similar to you, HT, in that I also go back to kind of my favorite classics. Um, but instead of Bronte, I always go for Austen. Of course. Of course. So, like, really, mm-hmm. my self-care would be an entire Jane Austen box set. Um, and just read all of her novels. But for this purpose, um, I really have to go with Northanger Abbey by Jane Austen. Um, it's, I think one of, it's her shortest novel or her second shortest. Persuasion might be shorter, I'm not sure. But so it's pretty short and it's also kind of the most fun of her novels in the way that it plays with tropes and genres and comments on those things. And, you know, it's kind of the most escapist of all her novels, just in terms of Kathy as a protagonist and kind of, like, her flight of her imagination all the time and kind of the story that she goes through. It's very kind of you get swept up in it, as she does. Um, so Northanger Abbey is my 
go-to because I always just love returning to the words of Jane Austen and that one especially is just kind of really fun and she and Henry <laughs> like you with Rochester and Jane like Kathy and Henry are just so adorable and I and just love watching them <laughs> or reading them rather ironically yours is kind of um Northanger Abbey I know I've never read it but I know it's like a satirical take on, on gothic, gothic romances yeah. mm-hmm. which is what I like yeah I exactly like I like the satirical take on it rather than the more earnest, literal take on the mm. gothic romance. The moroseness. Yes. I like darkness. <laughs> I like some <laughs> comedy in my gothic romance novel. <laughs> you so, got comedy in my gothic romance. You got gothic romance in my comedy. <laughs> <laughs> that was A+. All right. <laughs> we won't bore you anymore with this. No, I'm not being bored. <laughs> I'm just, I was just making a joke. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I thought it was, it was a good joke, but I felt bad because I was like... We're just talking about it for so long. No, it's like, fine. Oh. I just I could talk I, about I Jane Austen all day long. To, I have yeah. zero to contribute to this perfect <laughs> conversation. Well, it's okay. Anya and I already had like a whole episode yes. to ourselves. In fact, about you guys did classics. do an entire episode, which mm-hmm. you can check out on our SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. Indeed. All right, so those are our book choices. We got a graphic mm-hmm. novel and two classic English novels. So <laughs> kind of opposite end of the spectrum there. How Nothing in the middle. <laughs> Um, So for our last category, we're going to be recommending kind of the activity that we go to for self-care. So not necessarily pop culture based. Um, Willoughby, what do you like to do when you need some self-care? I like to hang out with my friends, just talk and hang out. And, you know, we don't necessarily have to do anything, but I I like catching up with friends and talking about past adventures in college because a lot of my college friends still we still hang out because we're all still in dc um so it's always fun to like you know harken back to times in the college television years (laughs) in which we every once in a while it amazes me that we did that for four years we did college tv and it was so wild um and in fact, I was in charge of it for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, general manager. Yeah, I was general manager for a year, and I'm like, how did that happen? <laughs> um, but it's always fun to like just reminisce and talk. And, and I'm I'm a huge nostalgic person, and s- some people can see that as a as a bad thing, but I think it is a good thing because you can kind of check yourself and see where you where you've come, from, how far you've gone. Um, and I like hanging out with friends and stuff, so I like I like just doing that. You know, nice. I think nostalgia is a great thing. Yeah. Because um, my activity is actually somewhat nostalgic as well. Uh, so I enjoy, rather than like hanging out with people or hanging out with friends, I do more of my own little hermitude and just go back to my childhood obsessions. And this often consists of what I was obsessed with when I was in elementary school, high school. Those were basically... Japanese dramas and manga and anime. So I basically just embrace my inner weeaboo. You know, I was that kid who loved anime and manga. I wanted to learn Japanese and go to Japan. I did get to do the latter, so that was really exciting. But um, yeah, anime and manga and like J-dramas for me were like my big obsession in high school. And I got into J-dramas as well as Japanese movies before even I got into just regular American pop culture. Like, my first movie review that I wrote was for a Japanese movie called Nada Soso. You can probably find, it was a review on IMDb, like, a long time ago. I don't know if it's still there. But I... That's adorable. I have, I have a special connection to um, all those things. I'm like, I like to revisit them. This is my way, by the way, of p- putting in more just, like, ca- 
content into these categories and saying like I watch more things um yeah I more so like my manga and stuff like I have uh the whole collection of Fruits Basket which was my favorite manga uh as a kid Fruits Basket is so good it's so good it also is really angsty very angsty it's so sweet and inspirational who was your favorite um, character I have to know uh Kyo obviously okay (laughs) (laughs) I love the angstiest guy my I mean my favorite character is all I mean they're all kind of angsty really but I'm a big Hattori girl Oh, you would. I no, that would that be. makes so much sense. That makes so much sense. <laughs> you like the rugged guy with the tragic past. I like. I'm like the older guy. Head. Yeah, I'm like yeah, the older guy. <laughs> yeah. Willoughby's like what? Fruit what language are you speaking? I don't think you would ever read it and like enjoy it, but it was amazing. Yeah, so like that Inuyasha with my first manga series. Um, Full Metal Alchemist, which I actually prefer watching, uh, my favorite anime series. And I watch it rather in English because all of it, it's set like in this sort of alternate Germany, like in the 18, 1900s and stuff. And so they all have English names. So I just like prefer watching it in English. Um, and uh, yeah, J-dramas. Nobusa will produce is my favorite J-drama. Um, it's a beautiful, I talked about it a little before on this, on this podcast. It's like this wonderful coming of age, slice of life story about these three friends who just try to navigate high school and popularity together. And they realize that the most important thing was the friendships they had all along. Oh my so, God, it's that meme come to life. It's literally that meme yes. come to life. I thought it was the sweetest, most innocent, pure thing. And it still is. Rewatching it now, it really holds up. Um, so yeah, nostalgia, nostalgia for my favorite things and not being ashamed of them. That's a thing. And also K-dramas, which I recently have gotten into. But I'll talk about that later because they've I didn't like them so much before, but suddenly they have a resurgence. Anya, what nice. about you? Yes, Anya. Um, so I am a little bit of, I'm also kind of like the hermitude thing. When I need some mm-hmm. self-care, I kind of just want to have like me time. Um, but rather than kind of being nostalgic, I like to pamper myself. So I am a big fan of taking baths when I need some self-care, but I don't mean just like putting some hot water in your bathtub and getting in. No, you have to like make it an ordeal. Like you need to have something to go in your bath, whether it's like a bath bomb or bubble bath. I sometimes do both. I have this amazing bubble bath and it's supposed to be calming and it is, and it's hyacinth and honey and it smells so good. And it just, like, instantly, like, soothes me. So get to bath. You light some candles in your bathroom. And then you can either just, like, lie there and just, like, have some peace. Or you can read a book. Or you can even bring in your laptop and you can watch some Netflix or watch a movie while you're taking a bath. Um, So I like to just kind of seclude myself away into my bathroom and pamper myself and feel really good. That is my favorite way to perform self-care. And just kind of like treating myself well. Treat yourself. Treat yourself. That is the That's what our that's the title of the episode, by the way. Treat yourself. Yes. Treat yourself 2017. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I'm all about taking baths. Getting that bathtub, guys. It's nice. All right. I think that is a wonderful way to wrap up our discussion on self-care um let us know what you guys do personally for self-care whether you want to take any of our recommendations um and let's move on to the last segment of our episode i really 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 like you but i need to tell you something i 
which kind of is an extension of itself of self care. Yeah, it's kind you know? of our weekly self care. Yeah, this yeah, is what we're self caring with this week. Mm-hmm. So Anya, what is your really like for this week? My really like is the ABC sitcom Speechless. So I've been watching this. It's a new show, part of the new season. It started last fall. I've been watching it since the first episode, um, and I watch it every week. And every week, it consistently makes me laugh out loud and makes me smile and just makes me go like, aww, like so genuinely. And I'm kind of bummed because not a lot of people are talking about the show. Um, It seems the critics all really like it. It's getting really good ratings, which is really nice, but it's kind of like... That really quiet. It's not a zeitgeist show. Yeah, it's yeah. like that really quiet hit, um, which is kind of a bummer because it's so good, um, and it does a lot of commentary that I'm kind of surprised more people aren't picking up on or at least like talking about, just in kind of the themes that it addresses um, in a variety of ways. You know, the great thing about Speechless, it's about a family um, who. Their oldest son has cerebral palsy and he's nonverbal and he's in a wheelchair. Um, and it's kind of just like the family in their day to day life. But what's great is that the show, um, it fleshes out all the characters. So every character has their kind of own personality and it doesn't revolve around JJ, the oldest son. And it really borders on kind of like saccharine, but also the humor can be really biting. And really dark at times, which is really great. So it balances out. It doesn't make it like a really like sappy show. Um, and it's just so great. And this past week was the Valentine's Day episode, and I it was like 20 minutes of just pure joy, um, as it is every week. And I think really kind of the standouts um, are the two parents, um, Minnie Driver and John Ross Bowie, who play the parents of the family, and they're just so great and. It's really speechless, and I want more people to watch it. Basically, does it does it leave you speechless? <laughs> no, because I have a lot to say about it. <laughs> That's true. She just did a whole segment. On That's it, so. true. That was a bad pun. <laughs> That's terrible. Just fine. So yes, that's my really like for the week. All right. All right. So Willoughby. Yes, that's me. Um, I recently saw John Wick Chapter 2, the Keanu Reeves action thriller, the second one in hopefully a series of films because the first one was very good. I watched it recently because um, I was hearing good things about Chapter 2, so I was like, oh, I'll watch the first one. I was really blown away by the cinematography and the action and just the stunt work. It was directed by two stunt guys, so they know what they're doing. And Keanu Reeves is kind of like in a Keanu-sance. <laughs> uh, well, now that the Meconnaissance is over. Yeah, Meconnaissance is over because he was like, we should embrace Trump. And nope. I'm like, okay. So Keanu Reeves is having this like um, reboot with uh, of, of his career with uh, the John Wick series. Um, and so the second one kind of is the road warrior to John Wick's Mad Max in the sense that the sequel is better and basically everything you loved about the first movie but heightened and more of it um the entire there's a like a not a james bond action sequence that kind of but like it's kind of like a follow-up to what happened at the end of the of the last movie it's kind of like he's resolving um some loose ends um and then it goes into the title credits and then we're on to the new the new story um and it's so there's so much world building in this like underground um like 
or like world of assassins someone on twitter likened it to harry potter and the magical world how like there's all these people who are living their day-to-day lives but secretly they're they're actual like assassins and they're the part of this like grand worldwide organization that's not that's like based around like coins and like very proper like suits and and like guns and like everyone's very prim and proper it's just so ridiculous and wild and you're kind of like like minor spoilers but there's like these um homeless people that are actually part of also this organization like all the homeless people in new york city are actually part of this assassin's guild or whatever led by Lawrence fishburne and he's like this homeless king so there's a matrix reunion. there is a matrix reunion and so it's just this wild undertaking and i'm like and someone was like yeah this is like harry potter but for assassins i'm like this is very accurate so like the world something build, i never knew i needed and like something i love about about like world building is how 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 flaw, like flawless it can be and it's just like these people are living you know they're people who are living their day-to-day lives you know in the real world and then there are these like master assassins doing their and like people also part of those organizations who may not be assassins but they're like helping these guys um and like it's just so wild and ridiculous and i mean if you're not a fan of violence you're not gonna be a fan of this movie but it's so good um the sound design is also incredible um i was every time there was there's a lot of gunshots but there's like two in the movie that are just louder than than normal and it like got to me i was like oh man um so yeah john wick chapter two starring keanu reeves who knew that john wick would make such an impact when i heard about the first movie and it was getting all these critical acclaim I hadn't seen it, and I didn't know anybody who saw it, except for Mike Slungle, friend of the pod, by the way. Mike Slungle is obsessed with John Wick. No, he's in part a reason why I watched it. I was like, oh, I might as well give it a, give it a try, you know, see what, what all the hoopla is about. Um, so it's just so good. I mean, it's, a, it's this weird series, but it's very good. All right. Awesome. I'll have to check out the first and the second. Yeah, I point. have the Blu-ray if you want to borrow it. Oh, I might. All right. All right, HT, what do you really like this week? What I really like this week is something of an unintentional really like. While I was engaging in my self-care, I wanted to do anything but a K or a J drama because I was done with that life. I knew what happened when I did it. I fell into the rabbit hole of dramas, and I just would never be able to get out again. Seemingly, that's also the plot of John Wick. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, I decided to give a try to this recent really popular K-drama, a Korean drama called um, Goblin, The Great and Lonely God. Um, I basically started watching it under the excuse that I would get some fashion tips from it because it's, I have seen like some t- images and gifts and I was like, wow, they're all really well dressed. And I'm like, this is good for winter <laughs> fashion. And by the way, I am wearing like a turtleneck and like some inspired clothes from it. So it did rub off in a way. Nice. But unexpectedly, the story is good, the characters are good, and I'm a little emotional and invested and kind of really sad now. Oh, no. <laughs> it took a turn. Um, oh, anyways, no. Goblin is this 16-episode um, drama about uh, this goblin figure. It's in Korean mythology. He's a sort of trickster god um, who is born out of, like, an object that has uh, lots of, like, meaning and sort of like spiritual energy in it so this goblin was born out of this um the sword of this warrior uh, from a thousand years ago who was sworn a shield to this 
king, um, and he was revered by the people and was basically like revered as a god. And so the king became jealous and paranoid and ordered him and his whole family to be executed. Um, so the king was actually married to this warrior's sister, so he had his wife, his queen, executed in front of the warrior, um, the goblin. So uh, because of the love for the people, the goblin comes back to life, but is also cursed with immortality. Um, and like the curse of like seeing all of the people he loved die as he lives on. Um, and the only, the curse takes form in the sword um, that is impaled through his chest. Uh, and only the goblin's bride, who is, des is destined to see the sword and pull it out, pull it out and let him finally die. So in modern day, he meets this, gir this girl, the Goblin's Bride, who is a girl who can see ghosts and um, was actually saved by him when her mom was struck by a car while she was pregnant. Uh, so he heard her mom's cries and basically saved her and marked the, her, the Goblin's Bride as like his bride. It's all very like destiny and fate and stuff like that. <laughs> um, and um, that happens and like things start to roll into, like, things start to get rolling, he suddenly finds himself roommates with a Grim Reaper who is sort of like this angel who greets, like, who leads people into the afterlife and stuff like that. Um, but in this mythology, Grim Reapers are actually the souls of uh, people who committed great sins in their past life. And in a twist of events, guess who the Grim Reaper is? He's the reincarnation of the paranoid king who had um, the goblin killed in the first place. Of course it is. It's like a buddy comedy. <laughs> it is a buddy comedy because they become best friends. Oh my gosh. But they don't know that they're each other because while the goblin can remember everything from his whole life, the Grim Reapers are, um, have no memory of their past lives um, and their sins. So... And of course, the Grim Reaper falls in love again with the reincarnation of the queen that he got that he killed. Oh and it's all very dramatic, but really gorgeously filmed. First of all, like I hadn't watched a K drama in like ten years, and suddenly the production value is amazing. The storytelling and the writing is really great, um, and just like the character work and the acting is like way better than I anticipated. Um, I really recommend it. I of course. Like, this drama would really appeal to me because I really love, like, these sort of long, epic love stories that have a supernatural twist. Um, in the end, it's actually the buddy, the buddy comedy that's more appealing than the actual romance between the goblin and the goblin's bride because, like, once he meets her, he falls in love and doesn't want to die and stuff like that. So, but the Grim Reaper and the goblin are just, like, the best relationship on the show, and I'm at the point where it's getting really sad and tragic because they're finally realizing who each other are and... You make I, me. I really want to check this out now. You should watch it. I did actually spoil a large part of it, but you will still really enjoy it. Um, like, if you don't ever watch a K drama, I recommend watching this one because it's like the most, the best done K drama I've ever seen. Um, it does have some like tropes that burden it, like of the K drama genre. It's like it's kind of like long and meandering towards the beginning where they get into a lot of like hijinks and stuff and you're just like, what does this have to do any with anything? Yeah. But it's silly and it's fun and I recommend it highly. Awesome. Yeah. All right guys. Well that is our episode for the week. Um like HT said, if you guys have any recommendations for self care or any thoughts on that, you should definitely come let us know. Same if you have any thoughts on Goblin or John Wick Chapter 2, or Speechless. 
And where can they come find us, Willoughby? You can find us on Facebook if you search for us there. We're on Twitter at Falcon Podcast. We're also on SoundCloud and we're on iTunes and Google Play where you can rate, review, and subscribe to us there. And where can they find you two? You can find me at HTrenBui on Twitter. You can find me at Anya Crittenton on Twitter. And you can find me at Willoughby Dobbs on Twitter. All right. Thanks for joining us, guys. Bye. Bye.